Welcome everyone to Essex Church, um, which is the meeting place of Kensington Unitarians. Um, we've got Kate McKenna from our Norwich congregation here today. She's a future minister, and um, our actual minister is sitting at the back, so absolutely no pressure on Kate at all. <laughs> who have seen Kate in the past know that we'll be in the best of hands for the next hour. So, uh, yeah, just welcome to Kate, and we're very happy to have her here. Thank you, Caroline. The congregation in Norwich sends their love. I'm going to start by lighting our chalice candle. We light this chalice in the knowledge that even in our world of electricity and artificial lighting and all the many blessings those gifts bring, yet there is still a darkness in us and around us which can always bear the extra light brought to it by the gentle glow of a sacred candle, lovingly lit and prayerfully watched. Amen. One of the notable things about the congregation in Norwich is that we have a lot of children. And all children know how stories start, the four words that start any decent story. So I'm used to not having to say those four words myself, so I'm looking for some help with those first four words of the story. Thank you. <laughs> I thought it would have spread to London as well. But. Once upon a time, a farmer found an eagle's egg. But he didn't know that that's what it was, so he just scooped the egg up and he put it in the nest of one of his hens. When the egg hatched, the little eagle found himself amongst dozens and dozens of cute little chickens. And he assumed they were his brothers and sisters. And as he grew up, he became just like them. He didn't look anything like them, but chickens don't have mirrors, so it didn't matter. Sometimes the chickens would flap their wings a little, and so did the eagle. And sometimes they got a little way off the floor, but never very far. And the eagle never learned to fly. Sometimes in his dreams, he'd imagine that he was a great, big, majestic bird, carrying off small animals in his strong beak all the way to the top of a mountain. But then he'd wake up, and he'd be perfectly happy pecking around in the yard with all the other chickens. One day, when the eagle was really quite old, another eagle flew over the farm. What's that magnificent bird, gasped the eagle. That's an eagle, said his chicken friend. They're the kings of the birds. They can fly as high as the sun, and the whole world is their playground. No other bird can match them for power and beauty and grace. And the eagle, who didn't know he was an eagle, looked longingly at the eagle up in the sky. How I wish I could be like that eagle, he thought. How wonderful to be free like him. How lovely to be soaring up there full of glory and beauty and power. But 
but I'm just a chicken, so I'm going to live my life here on the ground and never soar into the sky like that. And so the eagle, who was hatched as a chicken, lived his whole life as a chicken because that's what he'd been told he was and that's what he thought he was. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a chicken. But if you've been told you're a chicken and you think you might be an eagle, you should look out for the chance to practice being an eagle. This is called the perfect church. If you should find the perfect church without one fault or smear, for goodness sake, don't join that church. (laughs) You'll spoil the atmosphere. If you should find the perfect church where all anxieties cease, then pass it by, lest joining it you'd mar the masterpiece. If you should find the perfect church, then don't you ever dare to tread upon such holy ground. You'd be a misfit there. But since no perfect church exists made of imperfect men, then let's cease looking for that church and love the church we're in. Of course, it's not a perfect church. That's simple to discern. But you and I and all of us could cause the tide to turn. What fools we are to flee our post in that unfruitful search, to find at last where problems loom, God proudly builds his church. The second reading is Perfectly Imperfect by Steve Maraboli. We have all heard that no two snowflakes are alike. Each snowflake takes the perfect form for the maximum efficiency and effectiveness for its journey. And while the universal force of gravity gives them a shared destination, The expansive space in the air gives each snowflake the opportunity to take their own path. They are on the same journey, but each takes a different path. Along this gravity-driven journey, some snowflakes collide and damage each other. Some collide and join each other. Some are influenced by the wind. But there are so many transitions and changes that take place along the journey. No matter what the transition, the snowflake always finds itself perfectly shaped for its journey. I find parallels in nature to be a beautiful reflection of grand orchestration. One of these parallels is of snowflakes and us. We, too, are all headed in the same direction. We are being driven by universal force to the same destination. We are all individuals taking very different journeys, and along our journey, 
We sometimes bump into each other. We cross paths. We become altered. We take different physical forms. But at all times, we too are 100% perfectly imperfect. At every given moment, we are absolutely perfect for what is required for our journey. I'm not perfect for your journey. And you're not perfect for my journey. But I'm perfect for my journey. And you're perfect for your journey. We're headed to the same place. We're taking different routes. But we're exactly perfect the way we are. Think of what understanding this great orchestration could mean for relationships. Imagine interacting with others, knowing that they too share this parallel with the snowflake. Like you, they are headed to the same place, and no matter what they may appear like to you, they have taken the perfect form for their journey. How strong our relationships would be if we could see and respect that we are all perfectly imperfect for our journey. Before I properly launch into my address, I just need to make sure that I haven't massively misjudged what I'm going to say. Is there anybody here who doesn't, deep down, somewhere hiding deep within their being, have an imperfection? Good, because I was going to suggest that that person left because (laughs) I have nothing to say to them. But hopefully the rest of you will find something of value in the next few minutes. I'm going to be talking this morning about our imperfections. But in case that worries you a bit, let me make this clear right at the start. You are perfect. Each and every one of you, each and every one of us, is perfect. Absolutely perfect, just as you are. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. Is that something you could say to yourself every single day of your life? And more to the point, is it something that you could say to yourself every single day of your life and actually fully believe it? I suspect not. You're probably very, very aware of your flaws and your imperfections. We all are. We truly are our own fiercest critics. Self-criticism is a thing we all do. I'm sure with no effort at all, you can all think of several things right now which you would like to change about yourself. And let's be honest, you're probably right. You do have flaws, lots of them. And that's just fine. And it's not only fine, it also doesn't contradict what I said earlier, that you are perfect, that you are exactly as you were always intended to be. You are perfect not in spite of your flaws, 
but including and maybe even because of your flaws. Your flaws are a part of what makes you you. And I've said this already, you are exactly as you were always intended to be. You were created or genetically programmed or designed. You can use the language which suits you. You were created whole. You were created to be you, and there you are being it. So congratulations. Sometimes you let your imperfections out into the world, and you may want to keep a check on that. But doing that doesn't mean you're not okay. You are absolutely okay. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. After all, I'm sure you're also aware that your friends, the rest of the congregation, has flaws. And I'm quietly confident that you're a lot more forgiving of them than you are of your own. If something about a friend irritates or disappoints us, we tend to shrug and go, but she's brilliant anyway, it's just a flaw. If something about ourselves irritates or disappoints us, we go, oh God, I'm rubbish, I'm an awful person. I'm assuming here it's not just me that does that. <laughs> we don't tend to lie awake at night fretting about other people's imperfections. But we've all, I'm sure, had the odd sleepless night or restless hour sitting there thinking, why did I do that? Why do I always do that? Why am I so absolutely rubbish in every conceivable way? But I have a trick that I've learnt over the last few years for dealing with that stuff when you start shouting at yourself. It's a trick I learned from someone who I follow on Facebook. You may be familiar with her. She's called Orion, Araya Mountain Dreamer. And she, her most famous poem is one called The Invitation, which you may be familiar with. It's the one that starts, It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And it finishes, I want to be alone. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. Now, Araya Mountain Dreamer's advice for those situations where you catch yourself saying, I am stupid or I am horrible, is just to backtrack a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. So when you're about to say to yourself, I'm so stupid, just stop yourself if you can. Take it down one tiny step and instead just tell yourself, that was a silly thing to do. And if you're about to say to yourself, I'm a truly horrible person, stop yourself if you can, take it down one tiny step, and instead tell yourself, that wasn't kind of me. It sounds really simple, and it sounds like it wouldn't have much effect, but it can be very, very effective. It can take the heat out of a moment where you're going to beat yourself up. If you try denying that what you did or what you said was a mistake, you actually just end up giving yourself something else to moan about. You just add, oh, and I'm too self-critical to your list. But if you step back a tiny bit 
turn your exclamation into a wry comment rather than a vicious attack. It genuinely can work. Just trust me and just try it just once when you catch yourself about to hurl insults in your own direction. Because you are sometimes silly, you are sometimes unkind, and you are sometimes careless, disorganized, a bit too sharp with somebody, a bit lazy. And that's all okay. You are perfect. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to enter into a time of meditation with me, but first of all, I have some tiny presents for you. Can you help me, Caroline? There's a bowl of marbles on the table in front, and I'm going to ask Caroline to pass them round. And I'm going to ask you each to take a couple of seconds to pick the marble that appeals to you the most, either because of how it looks or because of how it feels depending on which is more important to you. So if Caroline could start the bowl off, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. These are perfectly normal marbles. They're from a generic toy shop. They're just marbles. They're the sort you may have played with as a child, and they may be the sort you still do sometimes play with. Your marble, which you have chosen from amongst many, is a perfect glass sphere, cold and hard and very, very straightforward. And it may be inviting you right now to play with it and look at it. And please feel free, because meditation need not be silent or still. But of course, your marble isn't perfectly spherical at all. If you run your fingers gently over its surface, you can feel a slight roughness. There's a very gentle friction there. There are tiny ridges and dents and hollows. And there may even be, in your marble, a small chip. And inside the marble, some of you may be able to make out tiny pockets of air created somehow in the manufacturing process and trapped there forever. If you're somewhere near a light source and this building is beautifully bright and if you hold your marble up, you'll probably see several of those little pockets. And that little flick of colour in the middle of the marble, which makes it so exciting, is it really completely central? And is it perfectly balanced and completely colour matched with itself? It isn't. Your marble, I'm sorry, your marble is flawed. What seemed like a flawless, perfect sphere with a flash of perfect, colourful beauty has bumps and ridges and flaws. But none of that matters. What might seem like flaws, if you analyse them deeply, are really just a part of the marbleness of marble. Knowing those cold facts about your marble doesn't alter the fact 
but there's still a lot of joy in holding a marble and looking at a marble, that your fingers still want to fiddle with your marble, and that you're maybe still sneaking peeks at the coloured dart in the middle, even though we know it's not perfect. Your marble is perfect in spite, and perhaps because, of its flaws. I'm going to invite you just to take your mind away from the marble for a little bit and wonder if you might be able to be as forgiving as your, of your own flaws as you are of the flaws in the marble. You do have them. We all have them. You are perfectly human because, not in spite of your flaws. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. To be perfectly human is to be perfectly flawed, as to be a perfect marble is to have bumps and ridges and maybe even cracks. I'm going to invite you, still holding your marble, to take your attention very gently to one aspect of you that you tend to think of as a flaw. And I'm going to invite you to think of that so-called flaw in just the same way you think of the so-called flaw in the marble. And just to become aware that that one flaw in you, like the flaws in the marble, is just a part of what makes you perfect, makes you you, makes you whole, makes you beguiling and interesting and fascinating. And try to forgive yourself just that one flaw, just for now, that one flaw. There will be others and they can be forgiven one at a time. Because you are whole, and you are perfect, and you are valuable. Your flaws are a part of your wholeness, and your perfection, and your value. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. Deep within you, like the coloured fleck, Deep within the marble is a flash of brightness, a flash of mystery and uniqueness. And you, like your marble, are whole and perfect and perfectly flawed. You are exactly as you were always intended to be. Amen. And now, please join with me in a few minutes of shared silence and stillness. Sit as comfortably in your seat as you're able. And relax into this time of thoughtfulness and of closeness to that which is central to your spirit. That which some of us call God. And bring your mind to your breathing. 
Feel it enter and leave your body. And focus for a while on how it sustains you and on how it always has done and always will do. And now bring your attention to the breathing of all those around you. Their breathing too has always sustained them and will also do always do so. And enter gently into your innermost place of calm and prayerfulness. Let us pray for the awareness that we are exactly as we were always intended to be. Let us pray for the awareness that for all our faults and our flaws and our imperfections, Yet we are perfect. Let us pray for the awareness that we can be as gentle on our own weaknesses as we are on those of others. And let us pray for the awareness that deep within us, and sometimes hard to find, is a kernel of something so pure and honest and true and sacred that nothing can ever take away from our absolute flawless perfection. Because we are all of us, exactly as we were always intended to be. Amen. And our time here together comes to an end, and we prepare to go back out into the rest of our lives. And let us do so holding tightly to this one truth, that we are exactly as we were always intended to be. And go in peace. Amen.